Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce all remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functional a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we are talking about what our kids know about why they are here and how to live. And the fact that the Christian church in America um, is facing what Dr. Barna calls um, a time of invisibility, mm. not being seen and not being recognized. And it's happening even in our preteens. And we had him on with us before where we talked about this, but it's just incredibly concerning to see as you continue reading the numbers and think about the reality that we are responsible for this. 100%. I mean, discipleship is the job of the parents. That's something that we cannot outsource to anyone else. And so the the minute that we take that seriously and begin to implement discipleship within the home, then we will see these numbers begin to change. Until then, they will continue to be the same. Yeah, that's exactly, that's the burden of my heart. Like when we look at where we are um, in this country, the thing that frustrates me is that we are constantly waiting on like a type of Superman, right? It's going to be like when we get the right president, um, when it's not the president, it's going to be when we get the right senators, when we get the right congressmen. And we're always looking for something outside of right there in our homes around our kitchen table. What are we going to do with the kids that God has entrusted to us. Like God has not entrusted your kids to the president of the United States. Right. Right. Like, I mean, you know, I, I, 
and I don't mean to come out like come out of the gate fast and hard, but it just it bothers me that we have suffered the loss of so many of our children because we refuse to be present. We refuse mm. to show up and we refuse to care. Now, I know people will say, I do care. Mm-hmm. People will say, I, I I have I have been there. I have but being there and being present are two totally different things. And the way that we are present indicates how much we care. Mm-hmm. There's just no way to say that you can spend a lot of time on a bunch of other stuff and say that you don't care about that. Mm. Where we invest our time and what we are guilty of doing is an indication of what we care about. The fact that we have not invested in our children. And I was reading an article just the other day mm-hmm. looking at the next generation, Gen Alpha. That's already coming up that we're already taking a look at. And and now what we are saying is that, you know what, they are just as godless as the generations before them, mm. wow. if not more, right. actually. Right. So I want to talk about it because the, the sad reality is that our kids don't know why they're here. <laughs> they don't know how to live. All right. They're being taught even in Christian churches. They're being taught by individuals who don't know why they right. are here. Right. They don't know how to live, so they are not able to pass on anything to the children. The parents, the parents are not doing it. The parents don't know why we're here. And and so then we're not passing things on mm-hmm. to the kids, mm-hmm. right? But but here's the sad thing, and this to me is like the plot of a horror movie. Okay. <laughs> it's the the parents are not safe and somehow know that they're not safe. So I think parents in America know that, well, man, we're not real disciples of Christ. Mm. But here's the here here is the sinister plot of this Hitchcock film, right? <laughs> we know that we're not disciples of Christ and we think that we will send our kids to church and that that will fill in the gaps. But right. little do we know as it turns out, the church actually doesn't know either. <laughs> do you see how wicked that is like that? Yeah. I mean, imagine if that were the plot line of a horror film where you think that you are funneling your kids to safety because you know that you're not safe. You know that there are all kinds of messages that are inundating you every single day. You know that there are all kinds of things that rival the holiness of God wow. that are coming after your mind. And you're like, man, and I don't even know how to combat this, but I got the idea mm-hmm. here that mm-hmm. I'm going to send my kid to church because there is safety. And then you send your kid to church. And as soon as they cross the threshold, mm-hmm. there are people there who don't know either and they don't care. Man, that's something because the Bible talks about the blind leading the blind and they all fall in the ditch. And the, the problem, the, the, the thing about this is that you will be held responsible, parent. That's it won't right. be the church that will be at fault primarily because it was the first duty for you uh, in the home to raise up your children to be godly seed. The church comes alongside and there there is a responsibility there, but the church comes alongside to supplement what's already happening in, in the home. If it's not happening in the home, you cannot expect the church to do miracles, you know, be, in saving your children. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is, if you, if you feel like, okay, I don't have it, so I'm going to outsource it. Man, the responsibility is still yours. Yeah. Uh, fathers, especially you. Mm, the responsibility good. is yours. But the responsibility goes to both parents, yes. But father, you are to make sure, even if you're not the best teacher or best this or that, that is happening. You know, that you have to make sure that that is happening because that responsibility is yours. And the same thing when we look back at the garden, we look at Eve being tricked by the the, the serpent, you know, by 
the devil, you know, but it was Adam who God called upon, you know, as the one who was responsible for what, what happened. And mm. so in, in the same way, fathers, you have to make sure to manage in such a way that discipleship is happening. Yes, you have a part to play, but you might say, well, I don't have this gift. I don't have that gift. Doesn't matter. You're responsible. The church comes alongside as a supplement for what's happening at the home already. Amen, man. And look, I'm going to say to the point that you're making and talking about the responsibility of the parents and talking about the responsibility of of fathers, man, I'm really tired of losing. I'm I'm, I'm really tired of losing. I'm tired of looking at our kids that look just like the world. And, mm. and, and the thing that really scares me about that, and when I say scare, I, I'm not talking about like this, like, oh man, I'm just so anxious. I'm talking about, man, these are the souls of our children that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We're not just talking about their outward expressions of what they like to wear. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're this is not like, this is their generation of the stonewashed jeans. We don't understand that. No, this is where they're going to spend eternity. There are huge implications connected to their lack of a biblical worldview, their mm-hmm. lack of having been disciples. And we are allowing it every single day. We have exalted things in our culture and said that these things are way more important than the souls of our children. Mm. Let me say it again, slowly. We have exalted things in this culture and we have said that these things are way more important than the souls of our children. We have said their education is more important than their souls. And then we went again to the place where we thought that they would be, you know, well-educated and they haven't been. We have said that their success, their their vocational success is more important than their souls. So what do we do? So we press and we push so that we can provide for them this sort of pathway to financial freedom. Because far be it from us that they would struggle and live like we did. Mm. Now, but here's the thing, though. We know enough to know Christ. Right. So we want to keep them from any any struggle because, you know, we want them to live their best life now. Mm. And we say that that's more important than their soul. We say that their popularity is more important than their soul. So whatever it is that they want, that makes them have a sense of belonging in this culture, that they fit into this world. We give it to them without reservation. Oh, you want a phone? Okay. It's destroying your life. It's destroying your emotional well-being. But all your friends have one. Okay. Bet you got it. Mm. Because, because why? Because we say that popularity is more important than the state of their soul. We have got to care about our children. And here's the thing, and, I, and I'm going to get to the data and the thing that provoked um, the reason for this discussion, right? Um, we have got to get to the place where we own our failures. Mm. I am so sick of people like looking outside of themselves for where their kids are. People say, well, I did all I knew how to do. Okay, so that means that you are responsible for knowing a little bit more. Right. Like I did all I knew how to do or I'm doing all I know how to do. Well, if that's not working, that means you're not you don't know enough. Mm -hmm. That means you've got to become a disciple. That means you've got to become a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to get yourself into a place where you where you can give to your kids what you want them to have. Because here's what's happening in America. Parents are, in fact, giving to their kids what they want them to have. Mm -hmm. It's just that what you want them to have is trash. (laughs) It's trash. I'm sorry, guys. I'm not I'm not trying to be ugly here, but it burdens me to read the data and to see where our kids are and to know that God has entrusted them to us. Right. But they are his heritage. Mm -hmm. So so what are you what are we going to are we going to continue to just squander that heritage and say, well, but at least they you know, they've got the house and they've got the fence and they've got the couple cars and they and they they're living a really good life. Okay, but then what after this? What after this? Our kids are in trouble. 
Parents haven't given them much. They've given them what they wanted them to have. And that's not much. Right. Mm-hmm. You talk. I, it's, it's far too often, in my opinion, it's far too often that you talk to parents and they're looking back on having raised kids. And when they start describing their levels of success and what they're doing in the mm-hmm. world, very little of it has to do with their following the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm wondering how many people, when you talk to other parents and you're comparing notes about the success of your kids, I'm wondering how many of us would even like broach the question. And what about their relationship with Christ? Yeah. Because the reality is we don't see that as a measure of success. So if a parent is talking to you and they're like, oh, yeah, man, she's a junior here and she's studying this and she's at this level and she's doing all of this and she's on track to work here and to do these things. And and she's got a little boyfriend and all of these things that we hold up in culture and we say that this is success. Do you even know enough when you're talking to someone to say, and what of Christ? (laughs) What of Christ? Does she have the right fear of God? Is she daily convicted of her sin? Does she know what it takes to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? This is what Jesus said in John 8, 31. He said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. How many of our kids that we lie to ourselves and say that they are disciples, we say they are followers of Christ, how many of them actually read their Bible? Mm. There is no way you can continue in God's word if you're not reading your Bible. But what, what do we hold up to our kids as a measure of success? That they finish high school, that they go to college, right? That they get a degree, that they get a job. Mm-hmm. And you hope, man, listen, okay, let's just turn all the cards face up. Let's not, let's, no poker face here, right? This is what you hope. You hope they get a job within the walls of a corporation that actually hates them. That's what you hope. Wow. You, you hope wow. that they can make it out of a university that hates them and then get a job mm. inside the walls of a corporation that hates them. And then you hope that when it all falls down, that when the end of the age happens upon us suddenly, that by some small hope and a prayer, they make it to see Jesus. Mm. Because why? Because that's a part of American living, right, Jesus? Isn't he, isn't he a part of like the house and the car and the kids and the job? Isn't that, isn't that also what Jesus is? He's he's the best life now and eternity if that turns out to all be true. Yeah. Guys, we've we caused this. We caused this and we've got to fix it. And I'm, I'm angry because I'm looking at the numbers. Right. I'm looking at the kinds of conversations that we need to be ha- having in American churches all across this country. And we're not having the conversations because we're talking about things like American Idol. We're talking about things like America's Got Talent. And, and we're talking about YouTubers. We're talking about all the influencers. We're talking about all of these things that don't matter. We're talking about politics. We're talking about how much Trump might pay to New York. <laughs> Get, we're, th- these are the things that we are talking about. These are the things that matter to us. We're talking about the, the incompetence of Joe Biden. And, and look, some of these things we should be talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about these things more than you are talking about the state of your kid's soul, then you have gotten things out of whack. You don't, That's right. you don't understand what's important. And I'm not, I'm not going to apologize for that. That is just a reality. You got your kid eight hours a day being told that you're his enemy. You're his enemy. You've got your kid eight hours a day being told that God is not important. God is irrelevant to this conversation. You can pick that up this evening with your mom if she has time. And maybe on the weekends when you go to church, you know, that fun extracurricular activity that you engage in. Here's where we are. Here's the here's the information. Okay. Um, And this is the headline that grabbed my attention. Preteens are rejecting several biblical teachings. This is what the survey reveals. This is Barna data. Okay, this is Barna data. A prominent Christian researcher is warning that we are on the precipice of Christian invisibility in this nation. 
as new research shows that preteens are rejecting beliefs associated with a biblical worldview. Preteens, mm -hmm. the preteens are rejecting the views, the beliefs associated with a biblical worldview. So again, and, and I've been saying this for years, when we talk about kids in this age group, we are talking about kids who are sitting at your table eating grits, yeah. eating bacon. These are your children <laughs> that right. you are still rearing. Yeah. Yeah. So the reality is when we say that preteens are rejecting the beliefs that are associated with a biblical worldview, what we are actually saying is that the parents have rejected those beliefs as well. Right. And as we're talking about this right now, the disappearing or the in invisibility is happening. It's the process right now. You, it, when you get to the point where it's totally invisible, <laughs> you know, it's been years before that Come that on. this has been happening. Yes. So the alarm is being sounded right now to say, hold on, let's grab hold now because this is the process of what's happening right now in our homes. It has to be addressed now because if we're looking forward to the future, that's when we're going to see the invisibility. That's when yes. we're going to see Man, that's such a great the point. outflow of what's going on. So, man, we have to take seriously, you know, God has provided ones that, that are able to give us this data and to be able to break this stuff down. What will we do yes. with this data? Does it promote, like, does it cause us to feel like, okay, I need to be urgent mm -hmm. in what I need to do with my children? Man, that is such a great point. When I think back on the type of information that was coming from George Barna in the 90s, where he said, man, kids who were raised in the 90s or growing up in the 90s are rejecting God. They're rejecting God. The youth group is not working. The Sunday school classes are not working. This is information we knew about kids raised in the 90s. Mm -hmm. Now, imagine if we had taken that seriously, right? Because now the 90s kids have kids and some of them have grandkids. Mm. So if we would have taken that alarm seriously and rescued those kids growing up in the 90s and say, hey, you know what? Look, I like that you like pizza. I like that you like hanging out with your friends, but you are not being served well. I'm going to, I got to bring you home and disciple you. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine the generation after them would have been a little bit different, but as it is, we didn't do anything. Mm. We didn't do anything. So to the point that you're making mm -hmm. right now, so you've got, we, we talked about the millennials, right? All right. So, so, so then we talked about Gen Z and now Gen Z is in the workforce. Okay, so Gen Z has grown up and we were alarmed when Gen Z came out of the gate. We were like, man, least religious group in American history. Like, <laughs> wait, wait, what? And then we got over it. It's like you got smacked in the mm. face. The, the, the sting of it wore off and then you just kept moving. Yeah. And so now here we are again. And it's Gen Alpha. It's mm. the generation after Gen Z. So now what are we man? What are we going to do? We're going to just keep reading the data. And then letting the kids leave the farm, like just letting them just mosey on. Are we going to close the gate? And say, hold on a second, we're suffering, we're suffering a great loss here. Let's see how we can rein it all in and let's see how we can disciple our kids for the glory of God. What are we going to do? Mm. That's the question. You can keep being mad, right? And then keep watching the kids like mosey off into the sunset, godless, mm. on their way to eternal destruction, or you can do something. Back to this article. In a statement released, the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University shared data about the worldviews held by children between the ages of 8 and 12 years old. So now we have survey data from kids between the ages of 8 and 12 years old. They actually polled the parents to get the answers to what the kids believe. So, so now increasingly what we find Dr. Barner working with is data from the kids, not just the parents, because remember a lot of the polling information came from the older people. Mm -hmm. It's like, what do you believe? What do you say? 
How do you live? But now we are getting information directly from the age group that we see as most critical to the proliferation of the gospel. Mm. And guess what? It doesn't look good. <laughs> Just like it didn't look good for the old folks, it doesn't <laughs> look good for the young folks. Here mm. we go. All right. Between the ages of eight and 12, the Cultural Research Center contrasted the views of the preteens with those of parents of children younger than 12 and also pastors of Christian churches and teenagers. So you got three groups there. You've got the parents of kids who are ages eight to 12. Then you've got those who are pastors of Christian churches and teenagers. Okay. The findings of the research are based on responses from 400 preteens collected in December of 2022, 600 parents of children younger than 13 gathered in January, 2022, 600 pastors of Christian churches collected in February, 2022, and 400 teenagers gathered in November and December of 2022. So anyway, all told, they've got 2,000 adults that they're polling to get answers to these questions. Okay. When asked if they believe that Jesus is the only way to experience eternal salvation based on confessing. Now listen to this, guys. This is basic, right? When asked if they believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to experience eternal salvation based on confessing your sins and relying only upon his forgiveness of your sins, only 36% of preteens answered in the affirmative. Mm. 36% wow. of preteens said, yes, Jesus is the only way to eternal salvation. Wow. 34% of parents and 54% of children's pastors said the same. Wait a minute. The <laughs> The, the children's pastors, just a little over half, believe that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. That's from the children's pastors. Like, wow. isn't that a prerequisite? Right. That if you're going to pastor children, you <laughs> yeah. would know the way to be saved? Yeah. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. It seemed, it seemed like it should be. But as we know, as we've reviewed these numbers before, there is a lack of a biblical worldview and it flows down from the pastor down to the youth pastor, the children's pastor, or on, in a worse situation than the, the senior leadership. And so with the children, what they're getting is a worldview that's not biblical. Mm. And so when you have these, these numbers, like these are the things I'm saying again, that, that it, it, it does not just happen. You know, we're, we're talking about this today, then years down the line, if we don't do anything about it, we're going to have the same situation, but worse. But worse. But worse. That's exactly and right. And so when you have these type of numbers, only a little over 50% of the young young people or the youth pastors or the children's pastors have this worldview. It's like, man, it's, it's crazy to consider because you would think any pastor, any minister in a position that's going to lead anybody should understand the way of salvation. And it's not happening. 25% of preteens agreed that the Bible is the true word of God. So 25%. One in four. Okay. One in four. You, you think about who's in your church right now. You think about wow. the eight to 12 year olds in your church right now. What would they say about that? Do they believe mm. that the Bible is the true word of God and that it should be a guide to knowing right from wrong and living a good life 
Only one in four preteens believe that. You can, look, you you don't have to wonder. You can you mm. can hear some of these questions and you can ask your kids this today. You can mm. ask your kids this today. Hey, what do you believe about the Bible? Is the Bible the true word of God? And, and is it the guide for knowing right from wrong? Or is there something else? Here's the problem, though. This is what we don't talk about. So if we say that 25% of preteens believe that the Bible is the true word of God, then that means that you've got 75% that don't, right? So you've got 75% that do not believe that the Bible is the true word of God and a guide for how they live life. Here is the question where the music goes dark. And this is what we need to ask. Okay. So then what do you believe is the guide for how we live life? What do you believe truth is? How do we know mm. what truth is? How, how do we know what is right and what is wrong? I mean, because here is the here's the thing that should chill you to the bone. It should chill you to the bone that your kid, if your kid says, if your kid is among the 75 percent that is saying, no, the Bible is not the true word of God and it's not the guide for how we live life. It should chill you to the bone to know that they do have an opinion about what is. Because remember, they are not growing up without a worldview, according mm -hmm. to Barner's mm -hmm. research. Right. They actually have a worldview. They actually have a belief and a conviction about things. So the mm. question is, if they say it's not the Bible, mm -hmm. if they say Jesus is not the way to God, mm -hmm. then your question should be for them. Okay, then what is mm -hmm. and who is? And so that you get to know the kid that you are raising inside your home. And I'll, I'll tell you what, parents, you, you have a sense, if you're real with yourself, of what is driving their beliefs. Because mm. if you uh, have given over to your child being, you know, navigated by social media, by the things of this world, that's what's driving the belief system of your child. Come on, man. You might not want to believe on. that or say that, but you can, if it's not the word of God, if it's not the Bible, if it's not your discipleship, it's that other stuff. Come on. It is. And there's no there's no doubt about it. And so if you want to be real, if you say, well, you know, man, it's not the Bible, it's not the word of God. I'm telling you, it's social media, mm -hmm. it's media in general, mm -hmm. it's influencers, YouTube, all that stuff. That's driving their beliefs. And look, if you think that that stuff is neutral, man, I, I hate to be so direct, but that is stupidity. If you think mm -hmm. that what your kids consume is neutral, that it doesn't have a worldview, that it's not telling them how to think, how to feel or what to believe, then that is just stupid. There, there is no research. There is no even just a casual observation of what our kids consume mm. that, that that would suggest even for a second that what they consume, they consume in neutrality, <laughs> that it's that it's morally neutral that it does not present a conviction or a worldview. All of the stuff, all of the time is presenting a worldview, mm -hmm. a position on something in culture. Mm -hmm. And yet, yes. and yet we take a step back from our kids when they need us the most. This is tragic. This is tragic. Continuing with some of these numbers here that really should alarm us. Less than half of preteens, 21% and 28% of children's pastors, um, Wait, hold on a second. Parents, 28% of parents. Let me give those numbers again. Less than half of preteens, 21%. Parents, 28%. And children's pastors, 36% believe that there are absolute truths. <laughs> so when you're looking at kids, you've got about one in four of the preteens who believe that there is something as, such as absolute 
truth. Wow. That, that there are things that are always true, no matter your culture, no matter your time, no matter the circumstance. Hmm. One in four. Again, you hear that and you're like, well, it's not my baby. Okay, well, test your baby today. Mm. Test your baby today. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? Most kids are going to say, well, what do you mean when you say absolute truth? And I'm going to tell you something that may be an indication that you already have your answer. Mm. Your kid cannot define absolute truth. Your kid probably doesn't believe that absolute truth exists. It's our responsibility to press this into the heart of our children. Mm -hmm. I have been so dismayed by some of the lazy parents who are like, well, I don't want to give my kid, you know, his views. I, I, I want to be able to live in the world <laughs> and make up his mind. That's stupid. That's the spirit of <laughs> dumb. That's what that is. And then you think and you say it as if you've said something good and something that should be celebrated all the while everybody else is going after your kid. It's like a feeding frenzy. And you're like, well, mm. I just want to let him. And the world is mm. not waiting and letting him. The world is saying, see here, Aggressive. see here, here are your views. Mm -hmm. Here's what you think on this issue. Mm -hmm. Man, I just read an article and I was thinking, maybe we do another episode on this, but just read an article where. Um, a teacher was placed on leave because he had a problem with woke kindergarten curriculum. So the babies are being taught to be woke. Mm. And the teacher was placed on leave just because he asked a question. He said, you know, wh how, do, what, what do we, how, how are we dealing with, you know, toxic whiteness among third graders? Like what I'm just trying to understand that. <laughs> now, why am I bringing that up? Because that's a worldview. Mm hmm. That's actually a Marxist right. worldview right. that is in our schools and it's in our kids' classrooms as early as kindergarten and some of them pre-kindergarten. But Spirit of Dumb tells parents, <laughs> hey, you know what? Just let them arrive at their own conclusions. Mm. You guys don't, don't push your views on your children. And the enemy is so Amazing. happy that you believe that. That's in direct disobedience to God. Come on. I mean, if you read Deuteronomy 6... <laughs> that's none of this letting the world just or letting the, the child just figure it out it's an intentional discipleship that happens from the parent all day and so when you have this type of notion that i'm just going to let them arrive at whatever they desire or you know go for whatever they want to believe that's indirect uh disobedience to the scripture to what god has commanded for christian parents look if you if if you're honest with yourself you will find that what your children believe is a reflection of what you believe. Mm. It's a reflection of what you have taught them. Getting back to some of these numbers, only 17% of preteens, preteens, again, <laughs> babies, I'm, I, you know, mm -hmm. okay. Only 17% of preteens defined real success in life, real success in life as consistently obeying God. <laughs> But but then here's the kicker though, nineteen percent of parents define it that way too. So like so of course the kids they're gonna define success the way the parents de define success. Mm. What are we keeping in front of our kids as a measure of success? As a measure of success, guys. Look, if you love this world, don't lie to yourself and don't lie to your kids about it. Mm. Don't send them these these mixed messages where you know in and of yourself you love this world, you love the things of this world, you love its trappings and all it has to offer, but you're hoping that your kid will do something different. Like how? Because everything that you've communicated to them is that you've got to get yours. 
you've, you've got to make the most of this life. You live as if this is all the kid has. You live like as if this is all you have. And so your kid is just mimicking that. Mm. I'm, I, you know, and then, and then we have them in churches where the pastors who are leading them, the youth pastors, the children's ministers who are leading them, they live the same way. All they have in this life is what is in this life. <laughs> That's it. No eternal significance. No eternal, you know, motivation behind how they engage or what they teach kids. Everything's got to be fun. Why? Because the flesh, because we love this world. But doesn't the Bible teach us very plainly that if we love this world, then we make ourselves the enemies of God? That's right. Come on. And the Bible even teaches us again that everything that is in this world is passing away. And yet we keep trying to hold on to it like sand in our hands. Hmm. But what's worse than us as parents trying to hold on to the things of this world like sand in our hands is that we're taking the sand and then trying to pass that on to our children. Mm. A handful of nothing, a handful of nothing. You know, we, we had a we had a um, we had a, a political cycle where uh, and I forget the guy's name who remember he popularized the nothing burger. It was a nothing mm. burger. Mm. And everybody, I bet more people are familiar with that then they are understanding that trying to pass on the things of this world is passing on a nothing burger to mm. your kids. But the deception in it is that it has burger in the name. So you think that it should probably fill them, <laughs> but it's nothing. It's nothing. Guys, we, we are in trouble. 17% of preteens define real success in life as consistently obeying God. 19% of parents say that 42% of children's ministers define real success in life as consistently obeying God. Not even half of the children's ministers say real success in life is obeying God. Why? Because I can't, I can't post that on yeah. Instagram. Right. Like that doesn't make people like want to be me. If I just like success, you know, obeying God, like how do I put that in a picture? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How do I run that through a filter? Mm. Guys, we look, we need to wake up. We need to wake up. Satan is not playing games with the souls of our children. And yet, man, we are on the narcotic of media intake and of just lulling ourselves to sleep and not caring about their spiritual formation. And we have lost generations. Like, what are you going to do? It's you can't just keep kicking the can until the Lord returns. You can't have in yourself that internally you're like, well, there's peace in my day. Mm. Meaning, well, I know Jesus, but you, you haven't been tasked to only know Jesus. You've also been tasked to make him known. That's right. And the first place you make him known is inside your home. That's right. That's right. You know, I was all, I, I've often been puzzled, you know, in the Old Testament, where it talks about the children of Israel. There's a generation that uh, rose up that didn't know, you know, the Lord, you know, didn't know the what, what happened with the people before them. And that puzzled me. But the thing is, the, the human nature, you know, the sinful nature of man, if there's no handing down of the things of God, they're going to revert back to not knowing God. That's right. Like It's just going to happen. If there's not an intentional laying down of, you know, uh, the foundation of, of discipleship and Christian living and those things, like man will revert to not even knowing God. It, it doesn't matter if great, great grandfather. Come on. You know. Was walked through the Red Sea with Moses and everybody else. There was a generation that rose up that did not know the Lord. 
And so that happens because there was a neglect by the people before them mm-hmm. and generations before them to, to pass down what uh, was already known by the generations before them. Mm. Somewhere they lost it. Somewhere they got lazy. Somewhere they got comfortable. Mm-hmm. And somewhere they say, oh, it don't take all of that. Mm-hmm. And so then Come you on. have a generation that arises that don't know the Lord. That's what we're dealing with today. Right now. Right now, in real time, we are seeing the manifestations of that. We we are in that time of Judges chapter two, verse ten that you're talking about, mm-hmm. right? And 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 what we sadly miss, what we sadly miss, is that this happened within generations. Just mm. the point that you're making, mm-hmm. it happened within gener- generations. It wasn't just a you know, oh, all of a sudden somebody woke up, mm-hmm. boom, and they lost the, the 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 knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. They did not retain the knowledge of God in their thinking. N- no, this happened within the generations previous. Mm-hmm. And this is what we are seeing right now. It's chilling to me to think that when we look at the kids that were being researched who were the product of the 90s, right? And and you've got the fact that, man, I mean, that's us. Mm-hmm. You know, that's us. Parents and some grandparents, depending on when you married and started having children, and so if we were failing then and, and you could see it, it was really pronounced. It was really marked. And you had the data, you had the receipts to prove it, but we did nothing. Man, look at, man, like, look at what we're doing right now. What, what are we going to do that's different? Here's what I'm saying. Practically speaking, you've got to stand between your kids in this culture. If you are a grandparent, you have the absolute right and expectation to stand between your grand, your grandkids and this culture. When are you going to do that? Like tomorrow? Because I, I just will also remind you that while you're planning to do it tomorrow, the enemy is working today. Mm. He is working today. You think about the, the, the millions of messages that your kids will draw from the environment that they live in. Mm-hmm. And you, and you say, well, tomorrow, Tomorrow we're gonna mm, we're gonna find out what what can we do we don't know we can because you know why there's no sense of urgency there's no sense of urgency if I told you you were losing your house today you would start trying to figure out how to save the house <laughs> you wouldn't say well tomorrow we're gonna have to look into it well but tomorrow the house is gone we need a sense of urgency we're talking about the souls of our kids there is nothing greater that you can care about than your soul and the souls of your offspring. There is nothing that demands more attention than that. There is nothing that requires greater passion. It's not politics. Come on. Some of us so fired up about politics. Some of us trying to predict how 2024 is going to turn out. And your kids are lost and on their way to hell. Mm. There is nothing more important than the soul of your children. Amen. I don't care. I'm I'm, going to keep saying that. And, if, and then there are people who, well, are you saying that we shouldn't care? You know why you say that? Because that's easy for you to care about. Come on. Anybody who truth. just heard me say there is nothing more important than the souls of your kids. If you really care about their souls, you said yes. <laughs> yes. If you don't care about the souls of their kids, of your kids, then you went into defense mode. You went into, but now we can also care because you, you don't care. Come on. I'm, I'm, let's stop making nice with these people, man. Mm-hmm. If you can find every other thing to care about that you want to put on par, you want to make it equal to caring about the souls of your kids. You don't care about the souls of your kids. Mm. I'm done. I'm done trying to find these. Okay, look, guys, we got to be engaged. There's all kinds of things. We've <laughs> already made that case. We are total people. We Amen. live in this world. God has given us the responsibility to occupy until he returns. There are different areas where we make gains, but Amen. none of those areas are equal to the soul of a person. Come on. That's the first work. 
That's the first work. People say, well, we, if we could just get better politicians, but you don't, you don't have politicians that are better to choose from. Why? Because <laughs> their souls are rancid. Mm. If we could just get, you don't have, you don't have them to, to choose from. <laughs> you, you're in a field of dead flowers. Come on. And why? Because somebody was around the kitchen table who didn't care about the souls of those kids. <laughs> And so now they're politicians and you keep hoping that you can put them in there and that something's going to click where they're going to all of a sudden become moral agents. If they're not moral agents, when they go into office, they will not suddenly become moral agents. And the reality in America is that we don't have a lot of moral people to choose from. Why? Because they're on their way to hell. Come on. All right. <laughs> Sorry about that. If there, if there's a cause, if there's a cause, yes. it will be the souls of men. Mm, is there not a cause? <laughs> when we resist the cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless.